it's Friday night and it's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. As usual, we've got them all, jockeys, trainers, tipsters. You'll find them here on the Racing Show every Friday at 7 o'clock. Welcome to the show. Uh, what a weekend of racing we've had. And congratulations to Desert Crown, Richard Kingscott, and of course, Sir Michael Stout. Yes, it was a fantastic race, and I think the result is what everybody wanted. Everybody was very keen for Sir Michael Stout to get another derby winner, and he duly obliged. And uh, credit to the horse, Desert Crown won very easily, really, when you look at it. And uh, Richard Kingscott gave him a very good ride. But let's just refresh our memories as to uh, how the race was won, courtesy of Racing TV. And they're off for the 2022 Kazoo Derby. Nahani misses the break and is scrubbed along. Up with the pace, early desert crowd with West Wind blows. On the wide outside, changing of the guard and also Handy Star of India and Glory Days. They're followed back in the field by Masakela, chasing them up with Walk of Stars and Piz Badil as they make the right-hand turn. Right on the inside is Royal Patronage continuing up the hill and then Stone Age just to the inside ahead of Royal Patronage then Westover uh, towards the rear of the field at the moment Sonny Liston is one of those with Hu Yamal Nahani who didn't get away well Grand Alliance is just about the back marker and El Habib is also towards the back of the field as they head now towards the final mile and it's changing of the guard and Wayne Lorden has got across to the inside running rail to lead for Bally Doyle West Wind blows in second and then two more Aidan O'Brien runners close up Star of India on the outside of Stone Age in the green jacket worn by Ryan Moore they're followed then by Glory Days on the outside. Desert Crown in a pretty good position. About fifth or sixth. Royal Patronage on the inside. Westover in a pink cap towards the inner as they continue to make a, a left-hand turn just about reaching the highest point of the course now. Walk of Stars is in the midfield. Piz Badil is out wide of runners. And then behind these, Huya Mal towards the inside. Nation's Pride in the all-blue out wide. Masakela, Sonny Liston. And then towards the rear, El Habib is right out the back. And Grand Alliance has been in the rear throughout the contest as they run on down the hill and Nahani remains at the rear of the field as well but it's changing of the guard as they tumble down towards Tattenham corner approaching the left hander changing of the guard from West Wind blows Stone Age in third Star of India in fourth and then Royal Patronage Desert Crown travels well on the heels of the leaders under Richard Kingscote and they're followed by Glory Days and Hu Yamal changing of the guard is challenged by West Wind blows Stone Age in third Desert Crown Blue jacket yellow cap beginning a run a very 
handsome run down the outside. Westover is staying on well in a pink cap. Then Huyamau, and it's Desert Crown that comes sweeping through to take it up. Oh, and it's all over, surely. Desert Crown has kicked right away. He sprinted away from them. Huyamau in second, then changing of the guard. Stone Age, West Wind blows, and Westover, and it's Desert Crown by five, six lengths to Huyamau, and racing up towards the line. A sixth derby for Sir Michael Stout. Desert Crown wins in sensational style. An easy winner. Tight second, Westover running on well on the near side of Huyamau. And then back to Massa Kayla in fourth. Followed home by change of the guard, Stone Age Nahani. El Habib ran on through late to finish midfield. Uh, thanks there to Racing TV for their uh, cooperation in letting us use the commentary from the race. And of course it was uh, by our old friend Simon Holt. And now the jockey Richard Kingscott, obviously very, very pleased with life. Richard Kingscott has won the Kazoo Derby for Sir Michael Stout on board Desert Crowd. How'd you like the sound of that? It's good, isn't it? <laughs> no, he was very good today and you know, he was very smooth and for a horse that's only run twice he was very professional, took all the prelims beautifully and I was really pleased with him. He was ridiculously impressive everywhere, I thought. You mentioned the prelims. There were lots of horses kicking out, messing around in front of him. He just didn't turn a hair. No, every time I've sat on him, he's, he's been very calm, and today was no exception. And um, I couldn't fault him. He, he went to start, then fireworks went off, and he was, he was a lovely ride. So as the stalls opened, talk me through from start to finish there. Yeah, so he jumped really well. He does have a hood in the stalls, and he was, he was out really well. So Michael was keen for me to try and take a reasonable pitch um, I was hung out a little wide once we crossed over took a little time you know, once till the seven I was able to slide one off the fence and from there he was very comfortable came down the hill really well balanced and changed leads over the road and off he went to top gear you know I probably getting there a little soon but meant I was able to fill him up you set sail two out just how well he was traveling yeah, you know, we, you know, the others just weren't able to to take him along and just shows he's, he's, he's got a good deal about him. How do you feel, how would you quantify the improvement from the Dante to here? Because after the Dante, Sir Michael was talking about that small hold-up he had in February and we were all expecting some improvement. Did you feel that? Yeah, I think he was a bit more push-button today. He was a lot more alert through the race. Every Everything I asked of him, I, I got pretty straight away. York just took me a little while to wind him up, but today was much more solid and alert. And going forward for the rest of his career, do you feel he'll be effective at 10 as well as 12? What, what do you think this horse is? Well, he does have gears. You know, he got to the line row out. Honestly, I, I couldn't pigeonhole him to either. He's, he's very likeable and got a lot of class. So the rest is up to Michael. He knows better than me. So that's the derby done and dusted. Onwards and upwards towards Royal Ascot. Now it's time to catch up with all the racing news from the racing media with Mike Padden. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden and here's this week's first story. Just the small matter of 41 years on from his first derby success with the legendary Shergar, Sir Michael Stout produced another potential superstar as Desert Crown strolled to victory at Epsom. 
Sent off the 5-2 favourite, having easily won the Dante Stakes at York, a tried and tested route of stouts, the son of Nathaniel had been an unconsidered 33-1 shot for the blue ribbon as the guineas were being run. Having suffered a setback in the spring, his handler had been worried the York race would have come too soon and admitted being taken aback by the ease of his victory on the Knavesmire. There was never any doubt he would be the one to beat after that, but with Aidan O'Brien and Charlie Appleby both fielding three viable challengers in a field of 17, Desert Crown's main danger in a race run in memory of Lester Piggott could have proved to be traffic. As soon as Richard Kingscote adopted a position in the first half a dozen, those fears dissipated, though. And having chosen to track Ryan Moore on Stone Age, when he made his move, Kingscote suddenly found himself in front. In truth, the race was over three furlongs out, and while Huyamal and the staying on Westover close to within two and a half lengths, Desert Crown's superiority was marked. While Stout stops short of comparing him to Shergar, he once again houses one of the most exciting horses in training, and thankfully Desert Crown's temperament was bomb-proof, as fireworks were let off all over the grandstand before the race. Stout said, It's just a delight to train nice horses, and I'll never tire of that. Fortunately, we have come across another good one. We were very hopeful after York that he might win the derby. I was very happy when he got to the top of the hill. He was really well positioned. He travelled and floated down the hill. Shergar was very special. He hasn't quite reached that stage, but he has potential. Stout had not won the derby since Workforce broke the track record in 2010, but never gave up hope he would be back in the hallowed winner's enclosure one day. He said, I didn't know if Workforce would be the last one. You realise as time moves on, your chances lessen, but it had been a lot of years and some people didn't think I'd win another, he said. We'd been getting a lot of well wishes as they were impressed with him in the Dante. It's been a great afternoon. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the horse. That is very nice winning the Derby in Platinum Jubilee year, but I'm sad I didn't win it for her, the Queen as I think we were lucky with Colton House third in 2011 and that would have been the biggest thrill. It's always nice to see the Queen racing here and Ascot and anywhere. As ever, Stout would not be drawn on future plans but a crack at the Irish Derby would look the next logical step. He said, I think you have to go home and see how they take it. We'll just try to get it right and see how his recovery is. He'll be fine over ten furlongs. These good horses are fine over a variety of trips. For the man on board, it was the crowning moment of his career. Whereas Stout was winning a sixth derby, this was a first classic for Kingscote. He said, Once I got to the top of the hill, I was pretty happy. I was one off the fence, which was great, as I thought for a minute I was going to be trapped three deep, which I didn't want to be. He was travelling so nicely, he gave me a great ride. The way he was going, once we came over the road and changed leads, he skipped away, and I was quite taken with him. As Sir Michael said, I may be a bit sharp, but he was very good. After York, I'd been quite confident, but having not ridden a derby winner before, I didn't want to get my hopes up. He's got a lovely character, and he's clearly very good. This is huge for any rider any rider to win a derby lots of jockeys go through their career without riding in a derby or winning a derby 
I owe this to Sir Michael and his owners and staff and all the other trainers who have supported me along the way. I'd said before the race about how I wanted it to go and they must have come pretty close to it. I didn't expect to be as handy as I was but other than that it went beautifully. Now Kingscote is not just sterical typical jockey. He has plenty of tattoos and loves riding high-powered motorcycles and it seems he already has his eyes on a new addition to his collection. He said, I think I might get another bike. It might be on the cards, yes. Maybe a Ducati, if this man Stout will let me. Now, there was a curious postscript to the race, as Desert Crown must pass a stalls test before his next engagement. The official steward's report read, The starter reported that Desert Crown was the subject of a third criteria failure. Sir Michael Stout was informed that the Colt could not run until the day after passing a stall's test. And here's our next story, here on the Racing News. Paul Cole, once the man to follow in juvenile events at Royal Ascot, believes he has found a talented trio of two-year-olds for this month's fixture, headed by impressive Goodwood winner Royal Scotsman. Cole, now training in partner with his son Oliver, saddled 21 Royal Meeting winners under his own name and won the Coventry, Chesham and Norfolk in 1991. He matched that haul in 1994, landing the Coventry and Chesham again, along with the Windsor Castle. It is the Coventry once more that provides the stable with his best chance in Royal Scotsman, who fluffed his lines at Ascot before excelling at Goodwood. He is a general 12-1, to 1, and Cole, who watched the exciting Cole exercise on Friday morning, said, He's never put a foot wrong except when he ran at Ascot first time out. He just didn't race, but was very impressive at Goodwood. He did it in his strides. He's come on a bit for the race, but it's hard to tell because you can't get him off the bridle at home. He continued, Bar Ascot, he's done nothing to say he's not a very good horse. Jim Crowley, who rode him at Ascot and has ridden plenty of good horses, was very keen to ride him in the Coventry, so we're expecting a big run and nobody will know the winner until it's over. Everyone will go thinking they have a chance. Only Aidan O'Brien has won more Cheshams than Cole, who has once raced Windsor Fourth, Sunningdale, penciled in. He's done all his exciting things here and I like him a lot, added the four-time race winner. He's got a lot of speed, but the mare won the Italian Oaks and had good listed form in the UK. The Chesham has been kind to us, but it is getting harder to win. In the early days, the conditions of the race suited the type of horse I bought and trained. It's been a lucky race for me. Cole, who stamped his mark on Epsom by winning the 1991 derby with the mighty Generous, was also heartened by the work on Friday morning of She's Hot, a bargain basement 16,000 guineas by, who was second on a debut at Kempton in March. She heads for the Albany as an outsider, but the trainer, based at Watcombe in Oxfordshire, said, She went to Kempton and we didn't expect her to win over five furlongs, but she was showing us on the gallop she was talented, and she finished extremely well. That bit of work was her first since then. She got an ulcer, but we wanted to wait for the six or even seven furlong races anyway. And here's the next story, here on the Racing News. There was a dramatic start to Derby Day when, quote, a very bad mistake meant William Buick's horse ran without him after the rival runner in the next stall struck him in the head. 
The championship chasing rider who bids for a second Derby triumph on Nations Pride was on board Blue Trail in the one mile two furlong handicap that kicked off the afternoon. He was hit on the head when approachability reared up in the next door stall and Buick seemed to still be reeling from that blow when the starter let the field go. Blue Trail went with the others when the gates opened without his jockey, who was left in the stalls. The riderless horse, who was later declared a non-runner, also had an influence on the finish of the race as he seemed to interfere in the closing stages with runner-up Grenoble, who just failed to catch the winner Swilken Bridge. William Buick spoke to racing TV presenter Lydia Hislop, who said... He said that he was hit on the top of the head by the horse in the adjacent stall. He just needed 30 seconds to collect himself. He said that to the starter, and he said that other jockeys next to him had said that to the starter. He described it as very dangerous, because he was half on, half off the horse, and he said it was a very bad mistake. Buick was assessed by the doctors and cleared to take his remaining rides on the day. Relief trainer Charlie Appleby said, He's okay, and thankfully he had that hat on. The horse's head just caught him on the front. He said for a couple of seconds he was catching his breath, but he's okay, which is the main thing. The stewards inquired into the incident and interviewed the starters. Having heard their accident, they accepted that approachability had thrown his head to the left, hitting the head of Buick, resulting in him being temporarily incapacitated and distributing his weight onto the left side of the starting stall's running board and consequently not being fully mounted when the start was effected. This caused Blue Trail to leave the starting stall's riderless and as such he was deemed to be a non-runner and therefore withdrawn. Tom Marquand felt the loose horse prevented Grenoble winning and the jockey said it's frustrating for us today as the loose horse cost us. I saw the replay, and it's unfortunate for Will, but thankfully he's okay, and his horse is okay, which is what matters. We have to be happy with how we ran, as he was a 25-to-1 shot, but you can't help but feel a little sick, as it cost us a winner. Hopefully there'll be other days for him. On-course bookmaker Barry Johnson said, The Rule 4 on Blue Trail cost us over a grand. Fortunately, we hadn't paid out any winnings before the result of the inquiry was announced, so we were lucky on that front. Our worst losers in the race were Mr Big Stuff and Box to Box, so it was good to get those beaten. And with the headline of Cheverly Park hoping patience proves a virtual within Spiral, here's our next story. In Spiral is set to step up her work in the coming days as she closes in on her intended return to action in the coronation stakes at Royal Ascot. The Frankel filly spent the winter months as anti-post favourite for the Thousand Guineas after rounding off an unbeaten juvenile campaign with victory in the Phillies Mile at Newmarket in October. With connections admitted in April, her preparation had not been 100% straightforward, and a few days later she was ruled out of the Rowley Mile Classic. Chris Richardson, Managing Director for Owners Cheveley Park Stud, has issued an upbeat bulletin on her progress with an imminent workout on the cards. He said, I saw her the other morning and she seems to be enjoying herself. She'll probably have a proper gallop. Not on a race course, possibly on a race course size in the coming days. Royal Ascot is only nine days away. We've had to be patient, but hopefully it will be worth it.
The Coronation Stakes is shaping up to be a fantastic affair, with hugely impressive Irish 1,000 Guineas winner Homeless Songs, 1,000 Guineas heroine Cachet, and French Guinea scorer Mangustine among Inspiral's potential rivals. Richardson added, The scene is different now with Homeless Songs winning so well in Ireland, and Tuesday, second in Irish Guineas, franking that form by winning the Oaks. He said, This time of year everything comes so fast. There is normally more time between the Derby and Ascot even, but there's not this year. And next up, here on the Racing News. Roger Varian has identified the Windsor Castle Stakes at Royal Ascot as a possible destination for his impressive Leicester winner bolt action. The son of Kessar was sent off at 9-4 to four when bursting onto the scene with a clinical four-length victory in the East Midlands. And the £160,000 breeze-up purchase looks a smart two-year-old in the making. Bolt action raced prominently throughout, and new destination, the well-backed 11-10 to 10 favourite, had no answer once David Egan asked his colt to quicken, with the winner subsequently introduced into the Norfolk Stakes market at 10-1 to 1 by Ladbrokes. However, despite acknowledging that Group 2 contest will come under consideration, the Kahlberg Stables handler is leaning towards the listed Windsor Castle on the second day of the meeting as the right race for the talented youngster. Roger Varian said, He's a nice little horse. We were very pleased with that first performance and he has come out of the race very well. It is likely he will go to Ascot for something like the Windsor Castle. I have to discuss it with the owner, who will come up and watch him train next week, and we will probably consider both options, that's the Norfolk Stakes and the Windsor Castle. Well, I thought initially the Windsor Castle was the race that we would potentially take a look at. Bolt Action is the second son of Kassar to impress Vivarian on debut, following Tajala's blistering display on the Roly Mile earlier this season. Varian was keen to stress how impressed he has been with both Colts' temperament as much as their raw ability, and he added, They are both really nice two-year-olds with very good attitudes, which is always half the battle. They need ability, but they also need a good brain to go with it, and they both appear to have that. But they have never worked together, and I wouldn't know which one is quicker. However, in a sting to the tail, Varian revealed that Tajala, who missed an intended engagement in the national stakes at Sandown recently, will be out until the autumn, having suffered a setback. He said, Unfortunately, he's had a setback and he'll miss Ascot. He'll miss the summer months, but would have a chance of racing towards the latter part of the season. Aidan O'Brien's filly, Tenebriism, who won the Cheverley Park last year, she won in March and then never ran again until the Cheverley Park, so it is possible. But it is a blow to miss the summer months as he looked a proper good two-year-old. One horse that could make Varian's Royal Ascot Swad is Eldar Eldarov, who made an eye-catching reappearance when winning at Newcastle last month. The Dubawi Colt, who cost £480,000, looked to be worth every penny when a five-length winner at Nottingham on debut last October and only enhanced his reputation when doubling up at Gosforth Park. He holds an entry for the King Edward VII stakes at Royal Ascot as well as the Irish Derby later in the summer and Varian states that a run at Ascot is definitely on the cards for a three-year-old. We liked him last year, he said, and we've liked him all winter.
He was a bit slow to come to hand. He didn't come to hand quick enough to make one of the Derby trials, but he is a nice horse who will have a big future, hopefully. We hope he is a horse who could get to Ascot in the King Edward or the Queen's Vars, so we will see how he trains in the next ten days, and the plan will be to get to Ascot with him. Now this has been the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post, and the Sporting Life. Thanks for listening, I'm Mike Padden, and please do join us again next time. Now let's have a look and see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, we'll start with, there are seven races on the flat at Bath, with a 1.15 start. Seven races over the jumps at Hexham, with a 1.20 start. Seven races on the flat at Chester, 135 start. Seven races on the flat at Sandown, 140 start. Seven races on the flat at York, 2 o'clock start. Seven races over the jumps at Worcester with a 525 start. And seven races on the flat at Leicester with a 545 start. And Sunday, there are seven races on the flat at Doncaster with a 137 start. Seven races over the jumps at Downpatrick in Ireland with a 145 start. Seven races on the flat at Garron Park in Ireland with a 155 start. And seven races on the flat at Salisbury with a 205 start. You can also go to Hong Kong if you fancy the trip, or Dusseldorf in Germany where there's a bit of racing there as well. Well, this week on In Conversation on Three Valleys Radio, I was lucky enough to have a chat with Tom Scudamore, and this is what Tom was telling us about how he got started in National Hunt Racing. I suppose the inevitable question, and I expect everybody starts their interviews with you with this one, is it was inevitable that you were going to be a jockey? Um, well, I suppose it was, really. Um, although my grandmother um, would disagree. She'd have thought it was highly... You know, she, she tried to make it very much inevitable that I'd become a jockey the way she fed me. But, um, <laughs> no, it was uh, being, being brought up in and around horses and, and, and the industry. Um, but whether I was a jockey or something else uh, within the industry, um, I suppose you know, it was it was always going to happen. Yeah. Now you were born in 1982. You know what? What can you remember of your grandfather Michael? First of all, because he won the Grand National, of course, in 1959. What What can you yeah, remember I, of him? I can remember an awful lot. Um, we were lucky that granddad i think retired from training around 1993 93 or 94 um so he came to live up in the cotswolds so i brought i was brought up in the cotswolds mm-hmm. and uh from about i think I don't, I, I don't know the exact date but i think about 1988 or 89 uh my father peter and nigel twiston davis went into business together uh so they you know, they they uh, had a farm uh, up in the Cotswolds, which at the time, Nigel just had a perm. Um, and the plan was that Nigel was going to carry on farming and that Dad was going to eventually train from there. Um, and things rather took off for Nigel. And so by the time Dad came to retire, there were already about 100 horses in training. So um, so they sort of went into, they, they, they sort of carried on as a, as a business together. So Grandad retired from training about 93 or 94, um, moved up to the Cotswolds um, with Granny. And uh, so, yeah, so you know, a large part of my childhood um, was brought up in and around you know, my grandfather Michael and, and grandmother Mary, who, who lived next door. So that was, that was really, really special that um, I got to spend so, so long with them. 
And can you remember sort of, you know, when you first got sort of put on a horse and, you know, showed uh, any I inclination? Can't, I can't remember. I, I can remember all my ponies, but I can't remember the first time I ever rode. Um, it would have been before I was walking. As, <laughs> you know, as, as yeah. long as I can remember, there were always, I always had a pony. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the first time I was put on a horse. I mean, I remember things have, you know, been very, very lucky. And I remember being... Uh, I remember being put on Bonanza Boy. He was a very good horse that Dad rode, sitting on him. Um, I suppose I'd have been about eight years old at the yeah. time. Um, so I, rem- I remember things like that being put on certain horses you know, for a picture or something. Um, but I, I can't like, say from as early as I can remember. Um, I've always been on on the back of a horse or pony. Did you have any any fear of horses in the context of not so much? Yeah, com- complete. I was I was useless until I was about twelve. Uh, utterly, yeah. I was, um, you know, I, I wasn't afraid of being around them, but I, I, I wasn't a particularly accomplished rider till I was about twelve, and then it, it suddenly clicked. I mean, show jumping and things I wasn't particularly good at, and yeah, I, I wouldn't have been um, the bravest. And then I got a really good pony about the age of twelve, um, a little pony called Sparky, who actually uh, Harry Skelton had after me, oh, yeah. and. Um, yeah, he 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 really he he completely turned my riding around. So from I think I was about eleven, yeah, but eleven I think I was just four hours twelve. So I was eleven, uh, and I went from riding you know ponies and, and and things not very successfully to having to having Sparky, and then within within weeks I was off riding racehorses here, there, and everywhere. So he he really turned it around. Did you name Sparky after Sparky? <laughs> no, he was already he was he was already called Sparky when he arrived. So. Um, yeah, he was he, he was a wonderful he was a wonderful little pony, absolutely nuts. Uh, yeah. Probably frightened their parents to death, but he was he he was wonderful. He, he he took the fear out of me. No, I was referring to Mark Hughes. That's what that was the. the, the oh right, the, okay, yeah, no, cause, cause I, don't, I don't, I don't know. He might have been named after Mark. I don't know where he came from. I don't know whether they were Manchester United supporters or 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 hmm. or, uh, or, or or Welsh. Uh, owners, but um, yeah. I don't know if he was named after Marquis. So um, you had these ponies. Did you did you participate in any pony riding racing? Uh, no, uh, because uh, it was only in Ireland when I was growing up. The pony racing, I don't think pony racing started until about two thousand and six or seven. So it's only really the generation coming through now. Sam Twist Davis had a little bit of it, um, but like the Sir Harry Cobden, Tom Marquand. Um, and those riding now, they they did a lot of pony racing, um, mm. but it was unfortunately I, I missed that boat. In in Ireland, um, it's been going on forever, um, but here, um, no, there was no uh, there was no official pony racing. Although, uh, look, me and my brothers used to race, me and my brothers used to race our ponies everywhere up Nigel's gallops and up and over the school and fences and things. So, yeah. um, they were unofficial races everywhere when we were doing it <laughs> certainly it must have helped you though in you know in terms of adapting and, and getting well basically polishing your skills i suppose would be the best way to describe it uh yeah i, I looking back it, it did at the time we were both just fiercely competitive and um we would try and race and compete whatever we did whether it was kicking a football kicking a rugby ball um, you know all, all the all the activities we could do, um, we grasped. But you know, majority of the time, yeah, we were we were on the back of the pony. And so we, we you know, looking back, myself and Michael had an idyllic ch- childhood. We would go off for hours just on our ponies, and um, yeah, we were we were very very lucky. 
Must have been a great childhood, I should think, just being able to go off. On it was. Own, it was yeah. very, very. Looking back, it was. It was very special. Um, we were in a lovely area, a lovely part of the world, and yeah, yeah we, we were able to go off and um, you know, looking back, we go off. I'd say we go off with sandwiches, but we didn't. <laughs> mum, mum would never feed us. We asked Granny; she might make us make yeah. us a sandwich. But um, yeah, we go off in, into the woods and make our own little courses up around there, and um, it would always come back that we'd have a race up the gallops, and then. Um, up over the schooling fences and things. Um, I just hope that we didn't get caught. Is that a junior schooner more I can hear in the background? That's, yeah, this, that's little Ava in the background. So I've got two older girls and little Ava, who oh. is very talkative tonight. That's all right. Um, <laughs> she knows you're on the radio, so she obviously wants a piece of yeah, action, exactly, doesn't she? Exactly. So that's what it was. So not screaming. That's the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, but at this at this point in time, obviously your father. I, I presume would he have been in his peak then, or at least uh, you know making a name for himself? Um, no, he he'd, he'd finished by the time uh, myself and Michael were, were really riding. Um, he finished. I remember very vividly um, him riding, but I think he retired in '93. So oh, did he, he just, did retire. Yeah, yeah. '93. Uh, so I would have been coming up to eleven. So I was ten years old when he retired. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I remember it all very vividly. From about nineteen ninety eight onwards, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, he, we, were, we were we were very aware of what both both, both dad and, and granddad achieved, and um, you know, extremely proud. Well, that was Tom Scudamore on his early days uh, before he became a full blown jockey. And if you want to hear the whole interview, make sure you check out Three Valleys Radio at www.threevalleysradio.com. And go to the podcast section where you can listen to the whole interview. Well, now it's time for a whistle-stop tour around all our local trainers. Well, at least not all of them, but some of them. And we're going to start with Rod Millman down at Clumpton, who's been having a bit of a purple patch at the moment. Right, well, good afternoon, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um, you had a, a fairly good week, I would have thought, haven't you? Well, it's funny. It went this way last year, didn't it? We had a quiet start of the season, then it took off in June. Mm. Um, we've got several runners um we've had a good week we had winner last night that was nice um yeah when it solves the day before and, and it wins the day before that so um it's mm. gone really well this week yeah absolutely. hopefully it'll carry on it'll carry on the rest of it well we hope so we hope so but um looking at the rest of the week i mean um obviously we we, we go out on a friday so we're, we're really sort of looking more at um the weekend ones the sort of saturday and sunday jobs so cuban mistress for example um, starting there, can you can you give us the chances of some of these? Well, Cuckoo Mistress, she won very well at Souls, well, won a very competitive race at Sandown a couple of weeks ago. Um, she gets a penalty for to, for Saturday's race, and there's a very dangerous horse coming over from Ireland. Uh-huh. Um, they wouldn't be bringing that over unless they fancied it, so we've got to give that £7. Right. Uh, so that's quite a big jump, you know. Yeah. But uh, Cuckoo Mistress is a very nice filly. I'm hoping for a good run. Um, Master Grey Master Grey well uh, young Oliver Searles riding him again he had a second on him last time he ran and he rode him very well so we thought we'd keep him on give him a yeah, chance Yeah, yeah. and um, Master Grey is quite a talented horse but he hasn't won for a long time now so probably saves a bit for himself so hopefully Ollie can get it out of him you know but he wouldn't be without a chance he has got a chance and then you're but, back, at, um, back at Salisbury on Sunday with one, two, three runners. I see Twilight uh, Tone for starters. What about him? Well, Twilight Tone is in the kids' race with um, young Connor, Connor, Connor somebody. I forget what his second name is. Yeah. He wrote a winner for me on um, 
Crystal Casp a couple of weeks ago, so he's riding that. And Ollie's on um, over the border. Now, uh-huh. she is a bit headstrong, but it wouldn't be surprised if she outran her odds. Yeah, yeah. Whips okay. must be carried, then, but not used. That's a strange... Uh, that's one. right, yes. Well, what's, what's that I'm afraid about? in this walk, walk world, um, <laughs> it won't be long before there's probably no whips allowed at all, I expect, how things are going. Yeah. Um, it's a world I don't agree with, um, but I'm afraid we're t- things are changing. Mm. Um, the whips they use nowadays are cushioned, and they it's really for encouragement. Um, the whips don't hurt them anymore. And um, it's just, it's all part of racing. And it, it doesn't, they respect the whip, but it doesn't really hurt them. Like, it's not very, they're not very punishable, you know? No, I mean, it, it so, seems, um, seems to the, the sort of layman such as myself that, you know, a horse, when it's, you know, if it's, I mean, you see sometimes horses going down to the start and they're playing up and they're jumping about. And, you know, if the jockey hasn't got the tools of the trade to be able to keep that horse under control, it must be very dangerous, surely. Well, well, it is exactly that's right, and um, that's why the whips can be carried, but only used in emergencies in this in this particular race. Mm. Um, but the trouble is, unfortunately, the public opinion yeah. there is against is is going away from animal husbandry. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you if if the general person right if a general person was asked to look after a cow, it'd probably kill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but moving on to the horses again. Yeah, uh, Crystal, Crystal Casp, she'd, she'd have a good chance. Yeah. Um, Lee's only race. She's got to give away weight to the younger horses, but she's in good form. And that's about it for the weekend, then. Yeah, well, it sounds as though, um, you know, I mean, you've got a few on Monday as well. One, one two, three, four. Oh, yeah, what have we got there? We've got. Are um, they all likely to go? We've got Radic- yeah, Radicani. Radicani, she, she's got. She'll, She'll run. Uh, fast steps will go there. Amazon Dream, and then we've got Pride of Horridge, Pride of Horridge up at um, Pride of Horridge goes at Newcastle, uh, Nottingham. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So we're very, very busy at the moment. All the horses are well and healthy, so we're running them. I mean, I've got five runners tomorrow at Chepstow, but yeah. it's obviously not on your program. No, well, it's, it's just too, too um, obviously too early for that. For that, but yeah, no, I mm. saw that. You, you, you know, but I mean, it's all going well, and that's the main thing, after all. Very well, very well. And it's not just, just you know, you're getting a, quite a few places as well. Well, we just got to keep the winners that go in while they're healthy, anyway. You know. Yeah, yeah. And you, you mentioned to me last week, Sir Plato. He, you, I think you quoted as he's a funny old stick, but he, you know, if he's in the right mood. Well, he was clearly in the right mood last week, then, wasn't he? Well, he runs again on Friday, so uh, let's hope he can have a double. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then, Rod. Well, thanks very much for that, and uh, we'll talk okay, to you next week you. if that's okay. Thank you very much. Lovely. Okay. Okay. Have a good thanks. weekend. Thank you. Well, from Rod at Clumpton, it's now up to Lambourne to catch up with Jamie Snowden. Well, hi, Jamie. Thanks for coming on the show again, as usual. Um, been a bit quiet for you lately. What you know? What's been going on? Fill us in. Uh, well, it's the, it's the summer, um, really. So obviously, there's 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 far far less jump racing on. Um, most of our horses are out in the field. Um, lots of jobs going on, sales going on. Um, so there's still plenty to do, but uh, there's obviously less racing on. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, you got one I see over the weekend. Uh, good chance. Uh, we've got we've got one tomorrow at Newton Abbott and one on Saturday at Hexham. Um, uh, Pisco Pike runs tomorrow at Newton Abbott. He's he's won four races. He, he was a, a decent novice chaser last year. Um, he's up in the handicap and he's into into open races now. So he's going to find life a little bit tougher, um, and he's got to keep improving. But um, the summer hurdle is where we're going to aim 
Um, so this is the start of his sort of summer season. The summer hurdles, what we're after on the on the sixteenth of July. So that that'll be his next next run. Yeah, and the and the one on Saturday. The one on Saturday. He's coming down to a nice mark actually. He um he was a prolific winner in his earlier days and and got hammered by the handicapper as a result. Um, and he just struggled um, on the back of carrying too much weight. But he's coming back down to a realistic mark now, and, and uh, you'd like to hope that he'd he'd have a chance in a what is still a, a competitive race. Mm. Has the we seem to be getting a lot of rain showers and such like. I mean, has, how's that affecting the going? Is it sort of suiting your horses, or would you prefer it to be harder? No, well, like I say, we haven't got that that many runners at the moment. Um, obviously, it was we of our recent runners. We had two thirds yesterday. They both ran ran, ran their races. Um, Stony Mountain was in the process of winning up at up at Hexamore on Saturday, but he unfortunately picked up a, a, an injury and went lame, so had to pull up. Mm-hmm. With one fence left to jump when he was when he was looking the the, the winner, so that was a bit of a shame. Um, and then College Eight just got done down at Fosslass. He was beating the head in a, in a photo. Um, but no, the, the horse has been running well. Um, yeah, the ones that have have been running have been running well. Mm. Well, in the absence of catching up with you for cricket, um, I shall be looking out for you at Wincanton. I just hope you get some uh, some entries at Wincanton as in the you know coming months, I suppose now, but more likely. But um, yeah. yeah, so Wincanton Wincanton shuts for the summer as well. So um, there's there's no racing at summer until the uh, no racing at Wincanton until the autumn. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. We can we can touch base then, hopefully, and hopefully I won't be such a cripple as I am at the moment, and then think it'll be fine. So, oh, well, <laughs> let's hope you're back fighting fit Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow, so hopefully we'll get some some sense out of him at last. Anyway, so, great stuff. Good. Okay, okay, well, Jamie. Good to catch up. Yeah, and you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on as usual. Well, I was Jamie Snowden up at uh, Lambourne, and now we're going to head back to Wiltshire to catch up with Milton Harry. Well, Milton, thanks for joining us on the show. You seem to be having, although not many runners, but very consistent runners, and virtually all of them in the frame. Yeah, look, it's obviously not our main time. We're predominantly a national yard. We run a few uh, flat horses. Ironically, we we won flat trainer of the month last year. We, last month we had five, six, I think six runners and five winners, so that was very nice to do. But Look, we're predominantly a jump shot and we're we're relatively quiet, but you know we're up now to about seventy horses. So come come the main start of the jump season, we'll, we'll be very busy, you know. Yeah, um, have you got many runners over the weekend? Uh, we've got a, a few. We've got four tomorrow: um, two at Aintree and two at uh, Newton Abbott, and then one at Bath on Saturday. So mostly jumps with one flat horse. Okay, and and the one at Bath. Um because that's certainly within our broadcast timing. Um, yeah, good. look, he's a, he's a, known by a local man who owns the local pub, Stoke Hotel, the Dove at um, Corton, yeah. uh, William Harrison Allen. The horse won first time for me at Bath. Then he was second, probably should have won. Young boy on it, probably got things a little bit wrong. And we've got a senior rider tomorrow, so um, on Saturday rather, so I'd hope that sister and brother, the name of the horse, would go very close to winning it. And and what about next week? Have you got much much lined up for next week, or fairly quiet still? Well, of course it's it's quiet because Royal Ascot, and that wouldn't really be a bag of tea. But we 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 as I say, we've got four jumps horses, and then we'll run a few. Um, the West Country, we've got runners on Friday. We run two in the same race, which is never ideal, but that's the nature of the beast. And um, Hatasim and uh, appreciate, and we'd be happy if either won. But look, it'll be it'll be a different animal come. Um, Come once we get through into um, September and October, and I think you'll find we'll be very busy. Are you looking? You know, obviously looking forward to it with some relish in the fact that you, you know, you've obviously got a, a good bunch of horses lined up for it. Then, yeah, look, we've got a very, very good bunch of bump horses from last season, which hopefully will 
will turn into very good hurdlers this coming season. One to finish to mind is uh, Twin Jets and Gentle Spoke. So those would be the two that I thought were, were potentially graded horses, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay then, Milton. Well, thank you very much for that. And um, yeah, no problem. Keep in, keep it coming, mate. It's uh, you know, it's we'll nice keep to it see. Going. Yeah. <laughs> good good luck to all your listeners. Okay. Thank Thanks you. very much. Right. Thanks, Milton. Cheers. Well, that was Milton Harris, uh, who's been having a very good run of late. Um, so uh, good for him. And keep them coming, Milton. And uh, now we're going to go just around the corner, really, right up into Gloucestershire, to talk to our resident expert on the flat. It's Richard Phillips. Well, good evening, Richard. Welcome to the show again. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, you've been a busy boy today, haven't you? Yeah, every day's busy when you're training racehorses, but yeah, lucky to have a lovely job. Oh, that's all right then, isn't it? So, um, what did you make of the derby then? Well, I thought it was a great derby uh, in many respects. I mean, I was lucky enough to attend, and I think, you know, being an Epsom boy myself, I've got very fond memories of the place, and it is the best flat race in the world. But it was great to hear the crowd so engaged. There was tens of thousands of people there looking at the racing, really shouting and screaming at the close finishes, and it was an excellent derby winner. And I was pleased that I mentioned the second horse, uh, Yamal, who hopefully some of the uh, listeners would have backed each way at a huge price. So um, all in all, it was a great day. Um, did you, any, any disappointments apart from Stone Age? Yeah, Stone Age was disappointing, to be frank with you. Uh, the O'Brien team didn't look great in the paddock. Uh, they've got a fair trip to come over from Ireland, but um, yeah, I think they're better than that, put it like that. But mm. um, favourite's very good, and Sir Michael Stout's a very popular trainer. He's uh, a trainer's trainer. He's a brilliantly patient man who's been at the top of his game for half a century, and Everyone was delighted that he uh, he did so well in um, producing that horse to be absolutely at his peak on the day. Absolutely, yeah. Well, of course, now it's 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 just sort of it's we're straight into Royal Ascot, aren't we? Virtually. Yeah, absolutely. Next week's really exciting. Royal Ascot again, probably the best week's racing in the world for the flat world. So uh, yeah, we've got a really fascinating week. Abayid, who's probably the best horse in the world at the moment, trained by William Haggis, won the Lockinge. Uh, he opens up uh, Royal Ascot Week and the Queen Anne. He looks a very short price to, to prove once again he's probably the best horse in the world. He looks an excellent miler. Uh, he's in the he's in the um, Queen Anne, as I say, opens up the day. And also, uh, Aidan O'Brien's got some interesting two-year-olds running at the meeting, including Blackbeard who runs in a Coventry stake, and Bradswell, Bradswell, who basically was very impressive at York. So all the Bs, yeah. Bradswell, uh, Blackbeard and Baid, all fancied on the first day at Royal Ascot. Oh, nice little treble there, then. Yeah, well, I, well, Bradswell takes on Blackbeard in the Coventry, so I think either one of those could win. But also mention Persian Force, who Richard Hannon trains, and He's been very impressive. Uh, he won uh, the first two-year-old race of the year at Doncaster, and he's very impressive last time out at Newbury as well. So Persian Force looks like a very decent two-year-old. I believe the Hannon Camp, who've got a great record of two-year-olds at Royal Ascot, think this is the best two-year-old they've had for years. So for me, it's Blackbeard, uh, Bradsell, and Persian Force to be ones in the Coventry Stakes. And also on the St. James's Palace Stakes that day, We've got a really interesting race, but the Guineas winner Caribus runs in that, and he, he's a short price to win that one. He looks an excellent horse. And in the King Stand Stakes on the first day, Golden Pal all the way from America, trained by Wesley Ward, is a supremely fast horse. But we've got the Queen's horse in there, Kings Lynn, 
uh, trained by Andrew Balding, who won last time out. So it'd be great to have the Queen uh, having a winner at this year's Royal Ascot, the Platinum Jubilee year. And Twilight Calls for my old boss, Henry Candy. Ryan Moore rides that one in the King's Stand. He, he looks as though a stiff five Ascot could suit him. So some fascinating racing on the first day of Royal Ascot. I know it's difficult at this stage because obviously, you know, half the races haven't been declared yet. But are there any other things that you, you know, assuming that they run that you, you've got a, a, an inkling for? Well, on the Wednesday, uh, Bay Bridge runs in the Prince of Wales Stakes. He was very impressive last time out in the Brigadier Gerard at Sandown. And he's another trained by Sir Michael Stout. And he, this horse seems to be improving and improving all the time. And he was most impressive at Sandown. He, he looks a short price to win the Prince of Wales Stakes. And the Royal Hunt Cup, that's a betting race on a Wednesday. But Dark Shift, trained by Charlie Hills, my old mucker, uh, he's favourite for that. But Dark Shift was most impressive last time out, and I think he, he's got a real chance as well. And in the Windsor Castle, uh, Little Big Bear um, of Aidan O'Brien's is a horse by No Nay Never. And Little Big Bear is fancied, I believe, in the Windsor Castle. So on the Wednesday, there's uh, a few fancies. And, of course, on the Thursdays, Ascot Gold Cup Day, where the favourite actually is Aidan O'Brien's again, Kiprios, uh, who looks a very decent stayer in the making. Uh, he's been stepping up in trip gradually and his most impressive last time out. Stradivarius goes for his fourth win in the Ascot Gold Cup for the Gosden Dettori team. And Trushan would have been favourite had there come rain, but it just looks like a lot of rain forecast. So Trushan may well not run in the Ascot Gold Cup, but that's for the Thursday. And, um, and the Queen also has a run up, hopefully, reach for the moon in the Hampton Court Stakes on the Thursday. Fantastic, as we said, if her Majesty could have a victory at her, at her own meeting, as it were. And Friday, there's the Coronation Stakes. Uh, that's the three, um, that's the group one for Milers for all the fillies. And um, Homeless Songs was the winner of the Irish 1,000 Guineas, most impressive. And will take on Inspiral, who is uh, the best two-year-old filly from last year, trained by John Gosden. So a fascinating week at Royal Ascot. Absolutely, yeah. Because little Big Bear, you you tipped that two or three weeks ago. Because I've backed it already. Um, well, well done, you. Yeah, centred <coughs> in the Windsor Castle. Hopefully, it'll go for that race. Um, but yeah, that looks very much uh, a Bally Doyle two-year-old for Ascot. <laughs> and little Big Bear, as we mentioned, I think we might mention Blackbeard a few weeks ago as well. Yeah, they look two. That they look two horses that really look be set up for Royal Ascot. Right, well, let's hope they are, if we can all get on. Um, yeah. Tell me, did you, nice. did you back the, the second in the derby, by the way? Yeah, uh, hopefully, yeah. Who, who your man was, um, um, I thought it was a big price, and I think I mentioned it last week. Luckily, a few people, I put it on my blog as well, a few people followed my instruction, as it were. Yeah. I thought it was a huge price. And uh, I did back him, but I didn't, as ever, you never have enough on, do you? But no, no. Uh, I'm very lucky that I'm able to walk the Epsom course in the morning. And uh, having been fascinated by the race for over half a century, you know what it takes to run the Derby course. And you know the sort of horse that runs on in a Derby. Mm. And who you mouth I believe is that price, having been third first time out, behind a Group 1 winner on heavy ground, staying on over seven furlongs at Sandown, having won the Convivial at York as a two-year-old, then being third in the Craven and second to all, at seven to one for the uh, Epsom Derby. I couldn't believe he was a 2-under-one shot in places. So, yeah, um, yeah. Luckily, he was a great ride by David Probert and hung on for second, uh, but the impressive winner was never going to be beat. I think the thing that amazed me, that you know, the, the TV coverage of Ascot was brilliant. 
but the the one thing I was I was conscious I knew that it was a bit sort of up and downish but some of the footage they showed on TV it, you know some of the, the they're quite steep the hills that they come up and down sort of thing on the place aren't they absolutely it's a 150 feet rise from the bottom to the top of the seven furlong marker at, yeah. uh, at, and it gives opportunities for horses who pull quite hard early on to settle who your man was a horse that pulled quite hard early on in his races mm. but i thought that that big rise that gives a jockey an opportunity to settle a horse going up that hill because horses tend not to pull as hard up that hill and uh who your man settled a bit better than normal so yeah, horses do tend to have that big rise at six furlong then three quarters mile to the top and then it's 150 feet from that rise and then 100 feet drop from the seven furlong marker down to the winning post. So if you actually walk the course, you do realise what an extraordinary racetrack it is. Yeah. You have to be balanced, you have to be an athlete, and that's why often the best horse wins the Epsom Derby. Yes, absolutely. Well, look, uh, Richard, thank you very much for all that. Um, we should be keeping an eye, that is for certain, and uh, we will speak to you next week again, and uh, we'll see how well you're doing at that point. Well, look forward to it. It's a great weeks racing at Royal Ascot and let's hope uh, all the horses come back safe and they all run at their peak. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. Well, that was Richard Phillips there up in Gloucestershire and now it's time to catch up with our two resident tipsters. And the first one is, of course, our friend Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Right. Afternoon, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, very well, Adrian. Uh, looking ahead at the weather forecast between now and Saturday, it looks like it's going to stay dry from... Uh, what I can see on the weather report. So uh, we've had a chat with a couple of uh, the trainers as well because we've had horses entered up for the weekend and they've been pulled out so they want some cut in the ground and uh, the forecast of the going is good good to firm at most of the tracks of the weekend. Yeah. So we've taken that into consideration. Okay. And uh, we're going to have a look at a few races at Sandown and uh, the class one listed up at York. So we'll start off with Sandown and it'll be the 250 race. And the horse that we like in here is Katura. Going to be ridden by Adam Kirby, trained by Clive Cox. Now this fella run three weeks ago at Haydock and he he got immediately put into the back back this horse next time out book. Yeah. So uh, he got in all sorts of trouble during the race and on at least two occasions he got stopped dead on when he was going for a gap and he couldn't get through it. And he still only got beat three lengths in the race, which is quite a feat when you, if you actually watch a race and see the trouble he got into. Now, uh-huh. uh, this it, this is a colt. He's been running in Class One, Group One, Two, and Three type races, and he's be, he's dropping down in this race to a Class One listed event, which is the next stage down below a Class uh, Group Three race. So here's our weekend bank bet. At the moment, it's priced up at around about eleven to ten with bet three, six, five, and corals. And I really don't think that price is going to stay there. I think it will definitely be an odds-on shot by the time the race goes off. So okay. that's uh, Katura in the 250 at Sandown. Righty-ho. Moving down the card to Sandown's 325 race. The horse we like here is Fantasy Master. Going to be ridden by David Egan and trained by Daryl Holland. He ran at Nottingham in early May and he finished third. Now... The, the form of that race is really working out. The winner of it's gone out and won again, and the horse that finished second in that race has come out and won as well. Now, the winner of that race was T Spirit, and he come out and won off of a handicap mark of £6 higher on Derby Day in the Dash race at Epsom. So that shows the strength of form of 
fantasy master. Now, he was four lengths behind them that day, but two spirits got up six pound in the handicap and come out on one, so that equates to like half of that two lengths that you can see there. So I think the form of fantasy master is far superior than anything else in the race. Now, he's only had that one run since he's been trained by Daryl Holland. He's been moved over from another stable, so like he's sure to improve for that run as well. And he goes on any ground, and as I say, I I think he'll be very well supported in the betting market. This horse is currently six to one with William Hills, and I think it's well worth having a nice big each way bet on him. So that's Fantasy Master in the Sandown three twenty five. Right, you are. Moving down to the next race on the card, Sandown four o'clock. We like the looks of Lamarty Dreams. Sylvester D'Souza takes the ride for Carl Burke. He won a Haydock last time out, beating uh, a horse called Roman Dragon, who we backed, which was out of the uh, Hugo Palmer stable. Um, we backed him at 16 to 1, and he beat him half a length. But the horse that was backing third that day was Windseeker, and he's reopposing in this race. Now, there's no chance I can see of Lamarty Dreams getting beaten by Windseeker unless something goes drastically wrong and Windseeker's up there in the in the betting and Lamarche Dreams is priced up at around about 13 to 2 at the moment. So uh, quite a few of the others in the race are well exposed as well. So uh, we like the chances of Lamarche Dreams, who seems to be improving with a few of his runs lately. So as I say, each way bet on Lamarche Dreams, 13 to 2 in uh, 4 o'clock at Sandown. All right. Going down to the 4.30 race at Sandown, I really like the chances of this fella, Findono. Uh, Jamie Spencer's riding him for David Minoussier. Uh On his debut, he ran third. He got beat six and a quarter lengths. And the horse that was in second in that race was a horse called Title. Now, Title's rated 110. So, if you look at a line of form through that, so Findono would, would be rated around about 100 off of that line of form. And then he had over a year off, and he ran third of five over course and distance, and he got beaten by a horse called Francesco Clemente, who won the Wood Ditton for John Gosden, and uh, was pro- about one to five, I think, to win that race. And he was actually giving Francesco Clemente seven pounds in that race. So, very, very strong form. Now, we haven't got any betting on the race at the moment, but the paper price is seven to two. If it comes up to seven to two, I'm going to be emptying my pockets getting on on this fella, yeah. and uh, I really don't think it's going to be anywhere near that price. But we'll have to wait and see what happens when the betting opens. But as I say, the tissue price in the paper says seven to two, so that's uh, Findono in the four thirty at Sandown. All right. Next race on the card at Sandown is the uh, ten past five race. Now, this is a very, very weak race, and if you're having a bet on the one that we like here, I only have a very small bet, but I think it's got a bit of a squeak. It's called Alpine Stroll. Marco Gianni's been booked to ride it for Edgar Giles. Uh, Very consistent in most of her races. Now, when she started life out racing, she was handicapped, rated 78, and she's now slid all the way down to a mark of 65. So she's been dropped £13 in the handicap. But the thing that we've noticed is her best runs last year was all in June. So it could be that she's a June horse, and that's what we're going with. But as I say, it's only a small small each-way bet on her. And she's priced up at around about 5-1. to one, Or sorry, him. He's priced up at around about 5-1 to one with uh, William Hills. But we expect it to drift a little bit there. So we're looking about 6-7-1 by the time race comes around on that one, I would imagine. 
Right. Now, moving over moving over to York, there's uh, a Class 1 listed race on at 3.05. Now, Kamari is the horse that we like in here. Now, Will Buick's going all the way up to York instead of going down to Sandown to ride the Godolphin horses. So, obviously, Charlie Appleby trains this one and Will Buick's going to be riding it. He won the Queen's Vars at Royal Ascot last year and he looked to be a very talented horse and that was on good to firm going. Since then he's had four races and uh, one of them's been on very heavy, one of them's been on soft, one of them was out of Maidan and I can't remember what the other one was. I think it was on good or good to soft going as well. Now all of them races have been class one group one or two races. Now again this horse is dropping down to a class one listed so he's dropping down two grades basically to run in this race. Now, he, he definitely won't mind the drying ground, and that's what he won the big race at Ascot. And then he's priced up at around about 130 at the moment with quite a few of the, the bookmakers. And I think it, it's that time of year again. Kamari done his work at Royal Ascot, which is next week for us. And I think it's that time of year where he, he comes into himself and being dropped two grades to what he's normally racing against, I think, is a big bonus for him. And 130 seems to be a very big price at the moment for me. So we're going to be having a nice bet on him there. So that's what we've got for you for the weekend, mate. And uh, as I say, we're going to be looking forward to Royal Ascot next week and uh, see what we're going to be doing up there. Okay, Dave. Thank you very much indeed, mate. Let's hope uh, we get a few winners then, eh? Yeah, no problem, mate. Lovely job. Thanks very much indeed, Dan. Speak to you next week. Yeah. And now, last but by no means least... It's the cheeky chappy himself, up at Lambourne, it's Colin Brown. Well, good morning, Colin. How are you this morning? Down at Newbury, aren't you? Yeah, fantastic. Now I'm at Sandown Park as we speak, so oh. I've got a couple of days here. Yeah. Racing, some good good racing, but obviously, um, you know, the uh, the big day is on Tuesday, and that is, of course, the Queen Anne. That's the first race on the card at Royal Ascot. We've got five days of Royal Ascot next week, so that will be terrific. But um, just reflecting on the flat racing over the last week or so, it's fantastic to see Sir Michael Stout win the Derby with Desert Crown. I mean, a fair performance on its third run. It really was. It was a bit like Sid's run uh, in the World uh, Lurkorsi <laughs> Championships, finishing four, beating five points on his fourth run. But uh, Desert Crown, yeah, unbeaten. And he was mighty impressive and given a great ride by... Uh, by um, Richard, Richard King's coat, I thought, yeah, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Not such a good ride from Frankie, I must say. Um, on Emily, up or whatever she's called, what was she called? Oh, young Emily, uh, up John, um, something like that. Up John, not up Thorpe, yeah. Uh, to finish second at Tuesday, but it was one of those things, you know, they had a bit of rain, and some of the jockeys thought, let's come over. So once they go over, that's it. And then, you know, the jockey's on your inside. You're going around a sharp left-hand bend. The camber is, all five metres as it builds on up the straight there at, um, at Epsom from right to left. So you can imagine horses are galloping on the side of a hill, really. And, uh, you know, all the jockeys keep the other jockeys out. And Frank had a challenge widest. And I think he thought he'd just gone up to win, but he, he was in front one stripe behind them before the post and then on the post he wasn't after post he was it was just yeah. on the nod as they say yeah. but no I think we saw some pretty good racing there uh, last week at um, at Epsom and then moving forward across to Royal Ascot next week which is oh, just absolutely fantastic I can't wait there's some brilliant brilliant racing I think um, yeah, there's a few horses obviously to 
look out for. And um, in the first race, there's uh, the old uh, horse Accidental Agents, 33 to 1 for a race that he won uh, about um, four years ago. I think he's a massive price. I really do think he's a big price. But I think um, the uh, one they probably have to all beat in that race would easily be the horse Real World, who was second to probably one of the best horses we've seen for a while, Bay Eid. But um, there's always plenty to look forward to at Royal Ascot. I think the first day is one of the days that I really love going to. And um, we've got the Coventry Stakes, you know, fast race for two-year-olds. Some nice horses in here, including a Royal Scotsman, uh, ridden by Crowley for Paul and Oliver Cole. And Coley's won it in the past. Aidan O'Brien's got chances with Blackbeard and Little Big Bear. He's won it in the past as well. So there's, you know, there is plenty to look forward to on the first day. And then you've got the St. James's Palace, where I'm surely Caribus dropping back in trip is the one to be on over this uh, over this seven furlongs, 213 yards. Um, he's a pretty good horse from the Appleby Yard. Um, I mean, there is some fantastic racing here at um, at um, Royal Ascot for the week. And then we've got the King Stand Stakes, you know, where some of the fastest horses in the world, uh, some of the fastest horses in the world will be turning up. And we've got horses like Golden Powell, the favourite from Wesley Ward's yard. And uh, he looks pretty special coming over from uh, America. We've got horses like Equilateral, who's pretty good. Kings Lynn, the Majesty of the Queen. would be great if she had a winner at the uh, at the um, Royal Ascot uh, meeting, uh, certainly next week. But other horses just to look forward to, I would say. Um, on the Wednesday, we've got, one second, we've got the Queen Mary, the Queen's Vase, the Prince of Wales's, the Queen Mary always throws up a pretty good filly. Again, Wesley Ward's got a three-to-one favour for this. Horse has only run once and won. We've got Dramatised, a very nice two-year-old from Carl Burks, which is nine-to-two, second favourite. And I was talking to Carl Burke the other day, trains up the north. He said, this is a very, very nice filly, owned by Clipper Logistics. So, wouldn't be the biggest surprise if that one went in. Um, Frankie Dettori's on Lord North. This horse, of course, won the Prince of Wales a couple of years ago. Not been quite as good since, but could bounce back along with a dam. Looks a big price at 16 to 1 and Broom. Baybridge being the short price favourite, which is uh, from the Sir Michael Stout Yard. So, you know, owned by James Wigan, the guy that I know, he lives down in Dorset, James Wigan, down near um, Cranbourne. Between Cranbourne and Wimborne, they have a lovely stud. Or between Cranbourne, actually, and Damrum, uh, Martin, they have a lovely stud. James Wiggins. So, yeah, but good if that horse won, won five lengths at Sandown the other day. It's a pretty smart horse. So, yeah, there is plenty to look forward to, AD, next week. Yeah. And um, and then on Thursday, we've got the Ribblesdale and the Gold Cup. Uh, just to mention the Ribblesdale, I think um, Emily Upjohn could go for the Ribblesdale, although they were just talking about leaving their to them end of the year. Squeezy go for the Ribblesdale. And the Gold Cup, well, wouldn't it be great to see old Stradivarius win it again? Trushan turns up. But they're about three to one. And, no, about four to one and five to one, respectively. So, yeah, we've got plenty to look forward to next week. And on the Friday, of course, we've got big races like the Coronation Stakes uh, to look forward to. 
And uh, Homeless Songs is the five to four favourite there. Dermot Wells' horse was so impressive in the Irish Guineas that um, she just steps up here. And uh, I think uh, she could win from maybe Inspire Oars. Done nothing wrong. Cachet, second in our Guineas. It's a belter of a race. And 14 to 1 Tuesday, if it turns up, big price. So we shall uh, watch this space, as we say. But um, as we move forward to racing on Saturday here in Great Britain, we've got plenty of big meetings as well. We will. Let's start at Bar from the 150. I think Rod Milmey's horse has got a penalty, but I think he can win the first with Cuban Mistress. She was a winner the other day for the um, Midland Park Racing, and... Um, you know, she ran a good race first to Matt Salisbury, won at Sandown the other day. I would expect her to win the 150 at Bath. That's number one, Cuban Mistress. Mm-hmm. I quite like going to Bath. Do you like Bath? Well, I've only been there once, and it was absolutely heaving the day I went, so I, I, I wasn't that impressed with it. But uh, I prefer Salisbury. That's my, that's, I, I love Salisbury. I really do. It's a great oh. place to go. Um, yeah, yeah, they told me you were down there this week getting a bit disorderly. Yeah, well, I don't know about getting disorderly, but uh, no, we we had a few winners and that was all right. In fact, it was the first time we've ever been racing when there's three of us go, and we all came out with with money in our pockets, which was uh, which was nice. So uh, yeah, you'd have, you'd have plenty of money in your pocket anyhow uh, before you even start. Uh, yeah, well, not as much as you, old dog. That's the problem. Like Mary, she was back in a few winners last weekend. She's done very very well. She's got a nice little uh, a cash pot ready for betting at Royal Ascot next week. So we've mentioned a few that Mary might follow next week, and we're at Royal Ascot. Yeah, I'm sure and, we uh, have. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's hope we uh, let's hope Mary has a few winners down there. She's never been. I don't think we'll get her there, but I think she'll be betting away on her account next week. Yeah, hopefully back in a few winners. Well, now, talking about Bath in the second race and third race, two twenty-five. I like a horse called Spangled Mac, and it's owned by Mister McAlpine and trained by George Bowie. It's a winner here, um, here the other day. I like horses that won on the track. It's not the easiest track to win on, but I think that the, the uh, danger to it might be a horse called Frisky, and that is horse number seven in the two twenty-five. But I think that'd be a good one to try and beat number one. Okay. Sorry, what we've been. Okay, okay. We will, we will carry on. I tell you another winner there that won the other day at Brighton Shake because in owned by a mate of mine, Mike Blanchard, and uh, ridden by uh, uh, Dougie Costello for um, Marcus Tregoning is a horse called Whisper. It won at Brighton a few days ago, and may as well run it again soon before it um, goes up too much in the handicap. And I think that'll win the Royal Ascot on Sky Sports Racing. Um, race at 4 11, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That is at Bath 4 11, and that's the horse that I fancy. It's called Whisper. Love the name, don't you? Whisper, indeed. I do. Uh, where... Puts me in mind of chocolate, Whisper does, but there we go. Oh, does it? Mm. Oh, put me in. Oh, okay, all right. Or oh, everybody for their own, yeah. Right, let's go to Chester and have a little look around. Um, at Chester. You need to be drawn up the inside of off and said unless you've got a real machine. And um, sometimes you can get away with it. But, it, you know, you have to have a little bit of luck. But um, there's a horse running at, was at um, Chester that I quite like. Trained by David Lockmane. It's called Sanks a Million. It's drawn four of five, six runners. So it should be OK. Sanks a Million. It's been the bridesmaid twice in the 135. It could 
just go to the wedding today, I feel. So it's called Thanks a Million. That's mm-hmm. the one I like there. Um, right, just looking through Chester. I've done my homework, but I'm just uh, having a look at the races, the ones that I think could go and win there. Gosh. Um, there's also by a mate of mine. I know he quite fancies it. He's taken it up all the way up here. It's called Lawn Ranger, and it runs in the 245. It's felt like your grass lawn out the front. And it wasn't beaten, um, to, you know, it's come down the handicap a few pounds. And if it can get its own way out in front, I would say it go quite close at a big price in the 245. Righty-ho. One more winner for us up there at, uh, at um, the meeting at um, Chester. Chester. Yeah, over, there's a horse uh, running over a long trip here today called Spirit Mixer. It's trained by Andrew Boarding and bred by um, uh, by Jeff Smith. And uh, this one's well-bred by Franco out of Arabian Queen. And she, of course, won the Judmont for David Ellsworth. It won the other day. It's just come right. It won the other day, and I think it'll win again. Um, and it's called Spirit Mixer. It looks a good thing to me. I don't think that will be beaten. That is about the best bet up there at Chester. Right. We are going to move to Sandown Park for Saturday's racing now, and that's where I am. Yeah. And Sand- Sandown Park and the 140. It's a little handicap. It's a tricky little race. It's a race well over a mile and one at Fairlongs. And uh, it's a fairly open race. I think the betting shows that. There's a horse called El Hadja, uh, trained by Charlie Hills. This horse is in really good form. So El Hadja for me to win number two in the first race at Sandown Park for Saturday's racing. It really is good racing there. I'm there with um, with a couple of bookmakers I'm work- working for. So um, I suppose they'd be happy if I tip a few losers. But I too do my best to try and tip a few winners. Um Jamie Osborne, he's been a bit quiet, but Safi has Osborne, his daughter's been banging in a few winners. And um, they run a horse in the second race there, the 215 called Rebel Territory. It was only just beaten the other day um, here. And uh, I would say it, uh, it will take a bit of beating today. Just got beaten out of the Richard Hanjar. They bought this horse. And Uzo, number one in the 215 at Sandown Park. Don't fancy uh, anything in the 3 250, but I expect you do. Get ahead, runs Liam Canary Rise for Clive Cox. About 10 to 1, yours. Yeah. Will it win? Well, I don't know. It hasn't won yet. As you can see, it's had three thirds, but, um, uh, you know, it's it's Clive Cox's horses are running quite well. Um, so we're hopeful, but you never know, do you? Yeah, blooming I'd, I'd give it a little each way chance on its best form. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that's a reasonable assessment. But I see Carl Burke's got two in the race, so you'd have to sort of fancy one of those, I would have thought. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, Carl Burke's horses are running extremely well. Um, one second, get back to the race. Uh, Frankie Dettori rides a horse called Live in the Dream, which was uh, not being very far on the dash the weekend. I would think that would go quite close in the race. But Carl Burke's run has got at a girl running. And he's got a horse called Illustrate and Running, but they're not um, they're not favourite or anything. So best of luck to you. Get ahead. Let's hope that that can win for you there at Sandown Park. Indeed. So um, what else might win there? Let's have a look. Ooh, it's 
competitive old racing here today, uh, or for Saturday, I must say. And um, sometimes the last races are a bit of a trip and throws up a winner. And I'm looking towards the final race on the card, trying to, you know, just in case it's like get-out stakes, you never know. But um, there's also, I'm quite interested in the um, in the last race called High Wells. It was second at Nottingham the other day to Calamity Kitty. Um, it's not badly handicapped. It's come down the handicap a little bit. It's trained by Fergal O'Brien, and I think it might just take the beating in the final race. It's called High Wells. High Wells it is, right. And that is it, listeners. I think we've probably found you a winner or two there. Yeah. Um, doing our best. And um, the rest is up to you, as I say. Indeed it is. Well, thank you, Colin, for that. And enjoy your day at Sandown today. And um, we'll yep. talk to you next week, no doubt. Uh, I certainly will. Uh, all the best listeners, Mary. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Take care. Well, that was the cheeky chappy, Colin Brown, no less. And if you think you've heard the last of him, well, you haven't, because he's going to be on virtually every day next week when we're going to be doing a preview of the day's racing at Royal Ascot, starting on Monday evening at 7 o'clock, and then each day following also at 7 o'clock on Three Valleys Radio. So if you want to keep all the rest of the news from Royal Ascot, that's the place to be. 7 o'clock, Three Valleys Radio, Royal Ascot preview. But that's basically about it for us this week. Um, please join us again next week, obviously, as I say, for all the Royal Ascot stuff, and our regular show next Friday at 7 o'clock. But until then, this is A.D. Hopper saying thank you for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.